We've got Travis, and we've got Billy Thomas, and Charlie, and Billy Thomas. Billy Thomas, yeah. <laughs> Billy, did we did we mention you enough times? <laughs> so those are, those are quote unquote, and I put in, I put in quotations. Those are our deacons. But what we're going to find out about the term deacon is that it has a little bit general or broad meaning uh, to the word. Uh, first of all, I want to ask you: uh, We are kind of a culture that panders to those that are great. Uh, does anybody know what the word goat means in the realm of sports? What does goat mean? No, not always goat. Okay. Okay. Goat. Let's just do a let's just do a word acrostic. Goat. You know what that you know what G stands for? Great. Of all time. Oh. Greatest of all time. I thought, at first, I thought what they were calling him was an old goat. Now, no doubt about it, playing at his age, professional football, at the high level he is, he is one of the old goats of the National Football League. But the word goat translates, in their vernacular, greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. Now, when you think about the family of God, give me the greatest of all time. Give me the goat. Jesus. Well, yes. Jesus, you're right. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a correct answer. I, that, that reminds me of that, that, that uh, guy that went to that, uh, that uh, uh, camp was going on, Christian camp was going on. They invited the speaker to be there and he would ask, he was asking this group of young people questions. And he says uh, to this group of young people, now it's a spiritual camp, it's supposed to, you know, talk about Bible and stuff like this, but he says, what is gray and furry and jumps from tree to tree, got a long furry tail, and he, he puts, he stores up nuts for, for the fall and winter. He waited, he waited, nobody raised his hand. Finally, a little timid girl, she raised her hand, she says, well, I believe it's a squirrel, but I'll say Jesus. <laughs> it, I mean, Jesus is the correct answer for everything, isn't it? All right. So, besides Jesus and the Holy Spirit of God, let's put, we know that they're the greatest. But besides them, who's the greatest? Moses? David? David? Children. Huh? John the Baptist. John, little children? John the Baptist? What is Jesus? Who is Jesus? When you think about greatness in our culture, who do you think of? In our culture, not Jesus. Come on, let's... Are you to society? Yeah, yeah. When you, when, what is the world? When they think of greatness, who do they think of? Movie star of some kind. Sports athlete. Like I said, Brady, he's the GOAT, greatest of all time. Michael Jordan, he's the GOAT, greatest of all time. Who's the greatest among us? Who did Jesus say would be the greatest among you? Jesus. Your servant. That's how heaven measures greatness. Who you serve. You see, the world measures greatness based upon who serves you. 
Who panders to you? Who applauds you? Who sets you on the pedestal? That's who we deem to be great. The posters on our walls for our children. Who are they? Who are they? You know what poster our kids need to understand makes greatness? A bull and a cow. Sir, that's the who's the greatest among You see, Jesus was radical. He, he turned, he turned this idea of being the greatest, being first all the time on its head. Because he would say, the first shall be last. When you sit at the table, don't, don't clamor and try to fight for the head. Sit someplace else. It's not fighting for the top. It's serving at the bottom. That's where greatness really is. Greatness, as far as heaven's measure of greatness, is based upon rolling up your sleeves and ministering to the hurts and the needs and the problems of others. Putting others before yourself. God says that is greatness. Matthew 23, verse 11. He that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And isn't it interesting that if the disciples were ever arguing amongst one another, guess what it was over? Who's going to be top dog? In this kingdom that Jesus is going to establish, who's going to sit on his right hand? Who's going to sit on his left? And they were arguing and bickering up until the time that he sat down with them to have the last supper. Fighting and bickering. Not meeting his needs. Not concerned about his problems. Concerned about their own. So he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And that is the significance of our word today. Known as deacon. When you take a look at the word deacon. In the Greek language. It is diakonoi. Diakonos. Diakoneko. This is the Greek word for the word deacon. So deacon, the word deacon, where we get our English word for deacon, is not a translation as much as it is a tra sound transference. Alright? It's more of a sound transference. Why do we use the term deacon? Well, when you say the word diakonoi, diakonos, or diakoneo, what's the sound transference? Deacon. <laughs> That's where we get it. What does it mean, though? What does the word deacon mean? It means servant. It means minister. It means who one who waits tables and attended. One, we may not like this, but one who executes the command of another. That is what a deacon is. And like a lot of other Greek words, the context will determine whether or not we're talking about deacons specifically or deacons generally. It's kind of like the word apostolos for apostle. Does anybody know what the word apostle means? It means one sent. It means one sent. Now, how many apostles did Jesus have? Twelve. Specifically twelve. But the word apostle... It's got, a wider, it's got a wider meaning than that. Did you know Barnabas was an apostle? Did you know Janias was an apostle? An impossible apostle. It was an apostle. Because the word generally speaking, apostolos, meant one sin. 
So only the context can determine whether or not you're talking about the apostle or apostles specifically or the apostles as just being one saint. Same goes for deacon. Deacon can refer to a group of men, and I would venture to say women, which we'll talk about later, that could be considered deacons or deaconesses, specifically, rather than just the general term. How many, how many of us are supposed to be servants? All of us. We're all diakonoi. We're all supposed to be ministers. We're all supposed to be servants. That's who we are. That's where greatness is established is us being ministers, servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And our job is to, it's just like the word oinos. Oinos is a Greek word for wine. And the word oinos is used in a variety of ways. We think when the scriptures use the words wine, that's talking always about fermented. It does not. It doesn't mean fermented. All the time. It's the same Greek word, but it doesn't refer to fermented all the time. As a matter of fact, the word could refer to the grape while it is still on the vine. The word oinos could be used for it. So, what would determine whether or not wine was fermented or unfermented? Or whether it was talking about the grape that was on the vine? Context. Context determines that. Alright? So, we need to be very careful when we hear the word or see the word diakonoi or diakonos, that it could be referring to a specific group known as the deacons, or it could be referring to general people who serve, minister, and attend. Somebody who had been given a charge or a command to do something, and they just went out and did it. All right? So that's that's kind of the, kind of the word in a, in a nutshell. Now, were there a specific group known as deacons? Where? Well, it's in the Bible. And you'd be right. <laughs> Take a look, if you would, at the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 1. Somebody read for me the book of Philippians, chapter 1 and verse 1. Philippians, chapter 1 and verse 1. So he does mention a separate group of people. The saints, I call them active members. Overseers, those are the elders, shepherds of the church. And then you got your deacons. Special servants is how he addresses the church there at Philippi. Part of the organizational structure of the church had within it elders that were supposed to be established in every place. But we never get a charge to have deacons in every place. I find that interesting. Don't you? Now, we're going to see the qualities of a man that serves as a deacon. 
But I never find a passage in the New Testament where it says for Paul and the apostles and the disciples or Timothy to go and make sure they establish deacons in every congregation. No, elders in every congregation, but it never says anything about deacons as far as them being established in every congregation. Can a congregation have elders and eldership without deacons? No. Yes. Because generally speaking, guess who we all are? We're servants. But can we have people selected specifically to do a special task? Yes. Now that is what you call a person who's a deacon. And to be a deacon, you've got to make you got to make certain qualifications. Alright? We'll talk about those in just a moment. But that's that's uh, that's what we see here uh, is is that they were a they, Paul addresses the church at Philippi and he does mention this special group of people known as not just overseers but deacons in Philippians chapter one verse one and it's part of God's ordained structure of the church is to have elders and have deacons if the church needs them specifically doing a task. Teachers, and on and on it goes. All right? Now, let's talk about the work of a deacon. The name defined their work. He was a servant. He was a minister. He was an attendant. They were the ones that got their hands dirty. They dealt with many of the physical tasks so that the spiritual work could go on unhindered. That was the job of a deacon. That's the reason why at the Church of Jerusalem, they will select men to sweat tables to serve the Hellenistic Grecian Jews who were not having their needs met, the widows of that church family. And uh, they were the ones that did the, did, the, did the lay work, did the hard labor, that rolled up their sleeves, got busy to take food, to, to take care of these Grecian Jews who were being overlooked. In the book of Acts, chapter 6. We'll see that more. Matter of fact, go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 6. Acts, chapter 6. The church at Jerusalem is growing by leaps and bounds. In spite of the opposition of Judaism and the persecution that they're facing, the church is still growing and developing. And when you've got a church that's growing and developing, along with growth comes what? Problems. Problems. You're going to have some problems when you grow. You're bringing in new Christians. You, 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 your your, your, your uh, numbers are expanding. The needs are starting to, to mount as far as the congregation is concerned. Now notice what it says in chapter 6, verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the twelve who? Apostles. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of, uh, of, uh, of the word of God in order to wait tables. Brothers, choose seven men. From among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom, we will turn this responsibility over to them, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group, 
They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert, convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of the disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And the large number of priests became obedient to the faith. All right, let's take a look, kind of break this thing down. Now, what we see in Acts chapter 6 is, a, I think, the first prototype of what deacons and that group of men, specific group of men, were, uh, were called. They, this is what the work that they did. This is the first prototype, I believe, we see of the deaconship in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Now, I want you to notice something about the deacons. They were given a specific task to do. A specific task. I have been in churches where they throw up a lot of ministries they want to see fulfilled. And then they start plugging people in to these ministries. And often I see plugging in a square page trying to fit it in a round hole. That doesn't work. Now a church does have needs. And one way that you can meet certain needs, particularly in their problem, where they had widows and their tables not being filled with food being taken care of is to call and to have certain people to meet that specific task and that's what they did. Now how long they were deacons in that particular ministry I have no idea. Was this just a temporary situation that once the task was done, they had their needs met, then it was all over with, they were no longer specifically deacons any longer, or is this something that they continued to do? Once this job was taken care of, were they put onto another task? I have no idea. We have nothing recorded in regard to that. But what we do have recorded here gives us an indication of what deacons' work was really all about. They were to take care of the physical needs of the church family so that the spiritual needs of the, of the church family would go unhindered, such as the preaching, the teaching of the word, constant prayer being lifted up on behalf of, of God's people. So, a specific task was set. Secondly, there were certain qualifications that they had to meet. There were certain qualifications that they had to meet. Verse 3, isn't that what he says in verse 3? So they say in verse 3, he says, Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. So there were qualifications. What qualifications, two qualifications do we see in verse 3 that they had to meet? They have to be full of the Spirit. Full of the Spirit. What else? Now, how do you know when a person is full of the Spirit? And what does he mean by full of the Spirit? Let me ask you this. If you're full of alcohol, can you tell? <laughs> have you ever seen anybody full of alcohol? Yes, yes. <laughs> It doesn't talk very straight. They don't walk very straight. You sure don't want them driving anywhere. All right? We can tell when a person is full or under the control 
of some drug or alcohol. That's what he's talking about here. So should we be able to see in the life and the behavior of people that we're going to select to be quote-unquote specifically deacons, should we be able to see that being exemplified in their lives? Yes. Yeah. That these are spiritual men. They're committed to spiritual things. They love the Lord with all their heart. They want to serve the Lord. That's what they want to do. They're just servants. They've got a servant heart. And uh, matter of fact, they've been doing the, the work of deacons already. <laughs> They're just busy going about serving the Lord. You can tell what they do because they're servants. You don't get people who do not first prove themselves to be servants, special servants. They must first be proven. Where does it say that? We'll get to that in the next class. All right? But right now, just in the book of Acts, chapter 6, verses uh, 1 through 7, we see that at least two qualifications is that they were supposed to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. What does wisdom mean? What is wisdom? Now, for those of you that went through some of our Proverbs study, what is wisdom? Knowledge. Knowledge. Okay. It's the gaining of knowledge and understanding. Now, can a person gain knowledge and understanding and not apply it? Yes. You know what the Bible calls that person? A fool. <laughs> That's what the opposite of being a wise person is being a what? Foolish person. And a fool is a person who knows what they need to do and refuses to reply. That's a fool. Okay? A wise person takes the knowledge and the wisdom of who? God, and he lives it out. He applies it. That's, that's a person of wisdom. So obviously, if you've got a person who's full of the Spirit or under the control of the Spirit, now what do I mean by under control? I don't mean that he doesn't get to make choices. It's just that the choices that he makes is based upon his walk his with the Spirit. Yeah, his spiritual walk, his spiritual walk with the Lord. He keeps in step with the Spirit. Does that mean he's perfect? No. No. Is Billy perfect, Helen? <laughs> and Billy would tell you he's not perfect. <laughs> Ask Charlie. Where did Charlie go? <laughs> Charlie's not perfect either. <laughs> Martha just told us. <laughs> All right. Charlie's not perfect either. I'm not perfect. Our elders are not perfect. But our tenor of life is to live a life that will glorify God. That's the tenor of our life. The exception in our lives are what? Sin. The practice of our life is what? Righteousness. That's what we practice. That's what we seek to practice every day. So that's who we're talking about, Pete, here. Men and women who apply the wisdom of God into their everyday lives. That's a person who is wise. And a person who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, he's a fool. That's a fool, okay? All right. Now, and then, then the, the, third, the third thing about those first prototype deacons was that there was an appointment made. There was an appointment made. They appointed seven men to serve and wait on these Hellenistic Grecian Jews' widows' tables. So uh, an appointment was ultimately made. And this pleased the whole country. Problem raised its ugly head. The whole group, the whole church got together. Is that scary? Everything. Everything. 
you know, I, I'm not following. I got certain deals that bother me. Yeah. I got this deal that tells me if an email comes in. I don't know why I have said it to the sound of the train coming into the room. <laughs> it's irritating. I'm going to change that thing. I haven't done it yet. But anyway, an appointment had to be made. And then this pleased the whole congregation. They saw a problem, a need that needed to be taken care of to keep the body from being divided over race. And they handled it. And it met with the approval of not just the apostles, but the entire body of God's people. And it met a certain need. All right, that's the work of what deacons are all about. Now, next time we get together, Lord willing, next Sunday, we'll talk about the qualifications. And then we're going to talk about a little, I'm going to open up a little can of worms. Because we're going to talk about whether or not the church can have Deacons that are male and female. All right?